Welcome to Packet Pushes Heavy Networking. We are deep into the software-defined networking transition in 2021, and as an industry, learning more about software-operated networks. There's good and there's bad. And in the first phase of software-defined networking, we focused on making configuration changes using software. And lots of lessons were learned, and the early adopters learned that configuration at scale had a problem. You needed somehow to get some assurance or some verification that the changes you were making were actually the right changes. Now, what do I mean? You can't configure a network without some awareness of the entire system. In simplistic terms, I'll give you an example. You can't configure a simple VLAN without doing an insurance check to make sure that you've got the right VLAN ID, that the spanning tree you're going to set up is right. You know, if you're in a multiple instance, which one does it go into? You go to the switch. Does the switch have enough VLANs left over? Those types of things. And that is what a category of operational tasks that I consider assurance. And you, before you do a configuration, you need to check them or assure them. And then after you've made the change, you need to verify what happened there. Or maybe you need to do some configuration verification of what is there before you start running the assurance task. So verification has two possible stages, testing your configuration before you make the change, and then also for validation after the change, or even as living documentation, what's in the network that you've got. And that's what we're going to be talking about in today's sponsored podcast with IP Fabric, where you'll be getting an appreciation of their vision of intent-based networking based on the idea of verification and insurance. Now, remember, intent simplifies to, I want this result. And to get that result, I lean into the software to assist me with getting that result. We used to use intent-based networking with CLIs, but here today to tell us more is Pavel Bykov. Uh, he's one of the founders of IP Fabric, and Darren Fulwell, he's one of their evangelistas. Let's color it to Pavel. Pavel, let's start off with a quick discussion in what IP Fabric is. Give me, that, give me the summary. Sure. So IP Fabric is a network assurance platform which ensures security and reliability of network operations and serves as foundation for network automation initiatives. IP Fabric discovers and collects network configuration and, more importantly, state, which is then modeled in a graph database creating a digital twin of uh, the existing network infrastructure. This model can then be used by network and security operators, engineers, and architects to perform analysis, speed up troubleshooting, and plan and verify migrations, and uh, also to deploy closed loop automations. I heard the key word there, Greg, model. So uh, yeah, so Pablo, I, I think that, that really is a, a core thing to focus on for a minute. You're building an entire model of the database and you said state. So it sounds like you're, as IP Fabric, crawling the network in its entirety to figure out exactly what's going on out there, then building a model. It's not like SNMP discovery or this kind of thing. You're actually discovering what's really going on by... I, I assume, what, logging into CLI and then parsing uh, command results back, these kind of things? Yes, so that is exactly correct. And you hit two, uh, two key points there. So the state is very important that let's, let's say we have an, an easy example, such as duplicate IP addressing, which we don't usually want uh, in our network aside from uh, some Anycast RP scenarios. But when we have a, uh, we, in all of our networks, we have 10.001 configured on multiple interfaces when we are testing something. And, it, and uh, the question is, does it really cause problems? Well, until that interface comes up and until that IP address is distributed, we are really don't really care about uh, uh, a, a configuration bit 
that doesn't have an overall uh, impact on uh, on our overall uh, uh, network state. However, once the IP address comes up, once there is a pond entry in ARP table, once this uh, network is then uh, pushed into the routing protocol and is distributed, then we suddenly start caring about, hey, there is a uh, conflict mm. in the IP address space. And this is only possible by uh, having both configuration and state uh, at the same time. And so the second point that you've mentioned there is the actual intent and how we used to do it before. And and this is perfectly valid point. What is mm. this intent? Uh, because we do consider IP fabric as an intent-based networking technology. And in our view, the legacy solutions were limited in our ability to express our intent. This is a, Intent is just a goal. I want my network to function in a certain way. With SNMP solutions, we can say, I want my CPU utilization not to go over threshold X, or I don't want my mm -hmm. uh, network uh, interface utilization to go over X. However... Well, I think intent's more than that too. It also means your work is configure a VLAN here, but your intent is to enable some sort of service. So you actually want this server to be connected to this port to be in this VLAN so that it can access this DHCP server to get an IP address so that it matches the firewall rules. That is my vision of intent or a practical definition. So what you need is a tool that's going to give you visibility into all of the data that you need to read that intent and to create it. Is that reasonable? Yeah. Yes. So one of the key points here is the depth of information uh, being collected uh, and, and structured for you to be able to define your intent as completely as, as possible. Thinking about the intent uh, side of things there, Greg, I mean, the, it's about how you deploy a service in, in the network, as you rightly say. Yeah. It's about orchestrating all of those different services. But in order to do that, in order to automate things, you need to know what you've got. And I think mm. part of what IP Fabric brings is is not just depth of information, as Pavel referred to, but breadth as well. We we're able to look at the network as a whole. We go right the way from the client through the mm. access networks across the WAN to the DCs, even out to the cloud. And we're able to give you that that understanding of what that how the network's behaving, what the forwarding is through that network, what the policy is applied through that network, so that we can make sure. That when okay. a service is deployed, Darren, that it deploys the way you expect it to. But okay, so but crucially here, it's when you deploy the service. IP Fabric's not deploying the service for me. No, you're verifying that the network is doing a thing that that it is meeting my intent. So that's the context in which we mean intent-based Ex networking here. Exactly that. Exactly that. So we're able to we're able to get that data out of out of the network to give you the tools to assess. Right, how close are we to this working the way it needs to? If you if if you like, you could almost diff the, the the state as opposed to the intended state, and say why isn't it meeting the criteria it needs to in order to deliver that service, so that you can then feed it into mm. an automation platform, for example, or an orchestration system to say go update that firewall rule, go change that VLAN on that switch. Yeah, I, I'm sort of minded of that. There were times when I did substantial network changes. And part of that would be to go into a client network and spend two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, getting to know the network, drawing diagrams, getting the configs, looking at them, yeah. checking the state of all the devices and looking for things in the, in the configuration, 
to think, you know, if I do this, if I make this change, if I reroute this this way, if I change the architecture here, you know, if I if I try and break the hub spoke into a, you know, a, a partial mesh, what's the routing going to look like, you know, <sighs> and then all of a sudden you implement it and it's all looking good. And then you come in on Monday and there's a firewall world that's wrong or there's a policy-based yeah. route that somebody put in and you didn't know it was there. Or, or, or Greg, the, the worst stuff, the, the unused bits of the configuration, oh. especially with old <laughs> configs. Is that access list in, in, in production? Is it applied to anything? I, I, who knows? Exactly, who knows? exactly. Knows? This, this relationships, when you have uh, access yeah. list that is configured and has certain number of lines, but then uh, an access list with seemingly the same name is applied to the interface, but then there is a one or the first letter is capital. And suddenly <laughs> this, the access list that you have applied is actually empty. Uh, and it's not an empty that is in deny all. It's an empty such as that it doesn't exist and that is permit all. Greg, Greg, you mentioned that that uh, going in and, and looking at networks and and doing that analysis piece. That, that you've just described the very reason why I chose to to arrive at IP Fabric. Well, I had the opportunity to sit down with Pavel back at the beginning of last year and and talk through what the capabilities of the platform were. Having worked for a consultancy doing exactly what you just talked about, and so mm. we we were deploying, for example. Um, cloud connectivity into a network that had built up over years. Um, it had loads of different bits of old network, new network put in by different people. Con documentation was all over the place in some people's heads. You know, Sounds like the, the real case. world. That's right, the real world. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. And you know what? We put that, that connectivity in and we made it all resilient and redundant yeah. and it was fantastic, except the customer didn't know how their network worked. It worked in parts, but in other parts, it was black hole. And right. so straight away, that understanding and that visibility of, of having uh, what the network was doing, how it was behaving, would have made all the difference to, to going in and doing those, uh, those changes. And you, Greg, you mentioned that you were uh, spending weeks to map it out. We've yeah. actually had customers that spent years and never really arriving at this end state because as mm. the networks grow increasingly large and complex, uh, they even outsourced partially their, this activity to the system integrator. And by yeah. the time they were done uh, Oh, mapping their network to 30%, the network was already substantially different and they had to start all over again. So let me tell you a story about a, a customer trial that we've done. 15 minutes before the final review call, they actually started the, the IP Fabric installation for the very first time. And on the call, they've already had their environment discovered and we were able to go through the, through the findings on the call together. In the time that they were on the call, they must have only just used the read-only credentials. They didn't actually go in and because IP Fabric isn't about changing the network so much. It's mostly about reading data from the network. That's right. The only requirements are the uh, read-only credentials to the command line, where we discover the network just like a real-life engineer would. When you come into the network, what are you going to mm -hmm. look at? Your default gateway. You log into the default gateway, you see what, what is the state of the routing table, where are the next hops, what are the yep. routing protocols running on the device, what are the VRFs, uh, what, is the, what are the entries in the ARP table, and so on and so forth. And this is exactly how IP Fabric goes into the discovering network, just that we do it much faster and in parallel. This enables us to discover the network without scanning. Yeah, and yeah that's a good point, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've got a story as well. Um, 
we often find that customers don't actually know what they've already got in their network. We've got a case where a network manager for sure knew that they had exactly 300 devices in their network. We were quoting them for licensing for that many, and, and it was all good. Launched the POC, and they discovered over 700 devices. They just didn't know what they didn't know. And, and this is what we find a lot of the time that, again, through documentation, through things being in people's heads and not really appreciating what they've got. The problem with that, of course, it has knock-on. Um, your, if your inventory is not right, your monitoring's not right. Your, mm. in, your ITSM isn't right. You know, your CMDB isn't right. And so by going ahead and doing that discovery getting yeah. accurate data. Yeah, this comes back to this old story that the only true documentation is what's actually in the devices. Exactly. And and the, I think the, the feature that you're alluding to here is one of the key things that software can do for us. And this is where the model idea comes in, is you go out and read the network. And if you see an entry in the ARP cache, you know that there's a device adjacent to you. Exactly. You don't need to rely on a protocol to discover it. You can just do it, you know, in a grown-up way. Yeah, and just I mean, we'll, read the configuration, read the state. Now, of course, in the old days, you did need a protocol because all of the, you know, getting devices to talk to each other and to use software to redact the configuration of the network was difficult. And today, it's not. That's exactly. And so, so we'll go through all of that. It, it, yeah. There are relationships between all of these devices, right? The devices don't exist in a vacuum, and so we'll go through all of those the the state that's in those devices to pull the information out of those relationships and work that through. Like you say, don't need CDP and LLDP, let's say. You can use MAC address tables. You can use spanning tree even to, to, <laughs> to actually, yeah, to, yeah. to actually work out the topology. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We, we use all of those things. Now, the thing here is once you've read all of that configuration data and you've got it in a software app, that must mean you must be able to model or simulate the network. That's absolutely right. Yeah, and that's and that's... Part of the, the beauty of this was we, because you've got um, all of those relationships at all layers. So you've, uh, we've talked about the physical and the, and the layer two. We've got all of the information about how the routing is going to work. We know where the routing peering is. We know what MPLS looks like. We know all of these things. We can, we can even put overlays over the top. And so you build up this multi-layered um, relational database almost of the whole of your network topology. Mm -hmm. Uh, or this feeds into the definition of what intent is. If my intent is for the service to be redundant end-to-end, -end, is it enough that I will check that uh, my uh, logical sessions are redundant? Maybe those are two uh, routing sessions that are on the uh, same device, or two of them are on the same device and one is on another device. Or maybe they're on different devices, but underlying layer two is, yeah. uh, is running over same device providing the... Uh, the connectivity to the uh, uh, to the layer three, having full view of the network end to end. Uh, yeah, because you're not just tracking like some of the configuration tools I've seen just read the configs and drop them into a database, and then you have to, and then you can configure them by saying, you know, I'll run a bunch of show commands and take the config file, but it still doesn't give you that source of truth capability. There's two aspects here. One is I'm getting full history of the network because you're reading it all the time and you're storing it. Um, but that configuration database you have is actually a source of truth of the whole network. 
the actual configuration information that's in the device is the ultimate documentation or the ultimate yeah. source of truth, but yeah. it's only for that device. And now I can build a source of truth that's contained in a model, in a software architecture, in a graph-based network model, which is how IFU Fabric works, that yeah. lets me say, I know exactly what's going on in my network because I, I can see all of it without having yeah, to and, do it. And it's across domains, right? So it's not like some of the vendor-specific tools will be, Oh, here's your here's your data center. Oh, oh, here's your campus. We're doing the whole the whole piece, and we're able to kind of um, look at the complexity of all the interactions of those those domains, and and how you get from one into another, and why it is the way it is um, through looking at both configuration and state for for those interactions as well. And, and this has an impact throughout the uh, network op operations and engineering tasks. Uh, one of the customers had uh, issues with the uh, IP telephony that suddenly uh, from, from one day to another, uh, some of the calls started to be choppy and, uh, uh, and, and having issues. They, they weren't able to pinpoint what the problem was. But with IP Fabric, they just mapped the end-to-end -end path uh, between the uh, uh, four IP phones, and they found out that from one day to another, the path has changed. So they focused on the routing, where the routing has changed. And because IP Fabric has all of this information, they just simply compared every single routing entry from one day to another and how exactly the routing has changed from one day to another. So you actually have tools that make that easy for me to see. Like looking at routing tables is not my idea of a fun day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I'm looking for is just deltas. And you've just got a yeah. tool that I assume you're saying you've got a tool that just says click here. Oh, look at the delta. Yeah, that's exactly right. You can you can see what routing uh, sessions have changed from one day to another which have been added, which have been removed. I mean, this is what we're saying about the model, right? Is, is the model is a set of tables and, and diagrams. And so you've got the, you can, you can cut and slice that whichever way you like, Greg. So you can, um, you can see the raw data. You can see how here are, here's the list of all of the, uh, the routes, for example, across all of the devices in all of my network in one place. Or you can filter that, or you can look at the, the neighbor relationships, or you can look at the different protocols, and you've got the ability to cut and slice that whichever way you, you want to view it. But you can also overlay that information onto a visual representation of the network as well. So within the, the tool, we have this, this interactive visualization, and you've got the ability to look at whichever layer of, of connectivity that you're interested in at any given time. So um, you can you can take it with as flexibly as you want it. Does this mean like if I've got a model and I've read all this data and loaded it and I've got this ability to use software to model, to, to give me views on it, does this then mean that I can now start to do checks on the network configuration? So can I then say, can this device talk to this device or, or the reverse condition, which is increasingly more true, is this micro segment actually micro segmented? Okay, so um, in terms of the the intent in the network, um, as we've already mentioned, there's there's a couple of ways of of, of uh, approaching that. One is through actually checking on configuration, and in that vendor neutral way, saying is are things configured the way we want them to be. Okay, that's that's a relatively simple query based on the on the data that's in the model. Um, and it, it, as we said before, we don't care about configuration syntax or anything like that. We'll pick that up depending on whichever whichever vendor we're we're applying that to. 
but the 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 sort of ultimate use is is as you say it's that ability to to perform an end-to-end path check if you like across the network simulate every step of the way what the forwarding decisions are and what the policy decisions are and be able to say ultimately yes that device will be able to talk to that thing or no that device would not be able but to without talk actually to that doing thing anything in without the actually doing anything in the network exactly right. because a, it's, sim- whole, it's simulated it's simulated yeah it's a yeah. simulator right so this is a non-destructive non-intrusive way we're not of, of we're not going read generating any traffic we're not going to increase yeah. any counters on just any of the acls or anything like that it's purely standard, simulated standard rules of the network if the route yeah. doesn't exist we know that it's not possible to get there yeah. that's as simple as that and yeah. uh, and then it it has profound impact of on uh, network and security operations where uh, another customer had uh, uh, another customer has Tufin installation, which they manage their um, network security uh, policy from, and when they have, when they see that yes, this uh, uh, these specific two uh, two networks cannot talk to each other, and then they run the same check through IP Fabric, where we are able to say, well, actually, they weren't able to talk to each other yesterday, but today they are able to talk to each other because uh, uh, this. Part of the path is actually bypassing the firewall that's blocking the traffic, or vice versa. Their real life request is is just uh, comes in by email. This endpoint needs to talk with with this endpoint. They look at Tufin. It says that it's allowed. So why is this being requested? They check it, and oh, it's actually denied. So something is denying this traffic. And now, is it denied because of the routing? Is it denied because there is an asymmetric path? Is it mm. denied because of uh, an access list, maybe even on uh, uh, on, uh, on on layer two? Yeah, these are all of I, the questions that the platform is able yeah. to answer by modeling the whole network. Now, the, and I imagine the thing that I'm really thinking of here is if I'm a senior network architect or senior operations engineer. I might want to run these verifications on a regular basis. So yeah. somebody's off there, you know, the help desk is off configuring stuff on the network and you could actually use this verification to actually process to say, I want to make sure this connectivity from branch to this server, I want to check that access from the internet to this is not possible. Can I just yeah. do that and schedule those checks to run on a regular basis, say every evening after all yeah. the changes are done and, and, and use that as a, as a validation that the change was successful? Yeah, I mean, IP Fabric is taking snap regular snapshots of the uh, of the the data through the network all the time. Um, you schedule those snapshots. Typically, a customer might do that once or twice a day, and um, at the same time, once that snapshot's run, those intent rules also run. So we go through, we do those checks, we verify data in the tables, but we also run those path checks in the same way. So absolutely, building out a list of a list of checks that you want to make sure uh, have a particular state um, every day. Um, yep. And then if you want to, you can take the data out of the platform through API and dump it into a, a chat window so that when when someone comes in to do their morning checks in the morning, they can see the results of the, of the thing without even having to log into the system. Yeah, I used to work for a really big company once and uh, every night between six and eight, all of the firewall changes got pushed. And the idea being is that if something broke, we could undo it between eight at night and eight in the morning, right? wasn't a very pleasant life, but... <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. the constraint's but, good. 
the constraint was, you know, the idea would be is that at the end of all the changes or, you know, whatever changes were made, you could then go to IP Fabric and say, yeah. are these changes, you know, run the checks. Yeah. And if at yeah. the end of it, everything works the way you think, like all the basic checks, like does the corporate website up? Is the corporate email working? Exactly. The, you know, like blah, blah. I mean, the, then, the, the, if you want to, you can run these snapshots, um, you know, uh, whenever you whenever you want. So we do have we do have cases where customers use use that snapshot facility as a pre and post change check. For example, you can you can make sure that things behave the way you expect them to before a change is committed. Commit the change, run a new version of that same snapshot, or update the information in that snapshot from the system, mm. and then verify did that have the uh, the impact I was expecting. Yes, it did. Then, and, then great. Uh, no, it didn't. Then it's time to hit the rollback. And and like you said, Greg, when when you have a certain time when those changes are done, what you can do is either import network uh, uh, security policy uh, into IP Fabric or just define the set of services that you want to work and mm. set of services that you don't want to work and say that they are not supposed to work because of routing, because of security policy yeah. and so on. This would be your blueprint or your your base repository of how you want your network to operate and look at this uh, end-to-end behavior. Now, does so does IP Fabric work with lots of devices? Because the key here is that to to be able to make that really valuable to customers, you'd have to work on just about everything. Is that reasonable to assume? Yes, and this is also our biggest challenge as well. And uh, to, first of all, is to cover multiple vendors to be truly yeah. multi-vendor solution. Uh, and also cover the multitude of all of the used protocols and technologies to to cover the complete set of use cases in the enterprise space. That means including wireless uh, and including layer two as well. So part of me wants to say, haha, that's your job. That's why I'm paying you the big bucks. <laughs> right? And that's but, exactly yeah. the <laughs> part of the value uh, is... Uh, uh, it, but the other part of me is saying, like, do I really want to spend my life writing Python scripts and Ansible playbooks yeah. for this firewall code and that version of the firewall code? Uh, you know, and if I upgrade the code, I'm going to be sitting there going, do I have to retest my Python and my Ansible yeah. script that it still works? Or do I want to just pay somebody else to do that for me? Yeah, you fit the nail on the head, though, with, with that one for sure. Big use case for us is with a a, a major... Um, sports broadcaster in the US. They are one of the reasons that they use us so uh, fervently is exactly that. It takes the toil away of, from having to to create all of the the, the uh, automation platform to to do all that. They don't have to worry about parsing config. They don't have to worry about updating and maintaining their uh, scripting environment in order to to, uh, mm. to to cope with that because we do that for them. Basically, we're yeah. bringing all of the aggregating, <laughs> all of that network data into one place that you can access over an API. And so you just have one API to access yeah. all of Darren, the data. Did, you just, did you just say source of truth? <laughs> I, t- I tried desperately not to say the phrase <laughs> source of truth, but we're kind of an, uh, well, if you think of us as an intended and not an intended source of truth that you find in a in a, an intent based networking situation, but as a as an observed source of truth, right? We will yeah. tell you what is in the network as part of an assurance capability. That's what we do. But you're absolutely right. It's about understanding the truth of what's in the network. Yeah. 
Now, one thing that we didn't talk about today is configuration, but that's not the strength for IP Fabric. What IP Fabric strength is, is actually getting the information from the network and providing you with that model. So you're still, as a customer, you're still driving the network. You're still owning the network. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, the intention is very much to use us as the reference source really for for automation, but not we don't actually um, do the automation, the configuration itself. There's value um, there in are, that, right? Because right. if you're going to do actual configuration, intent-based networking with the configuration, you tend to get, you have to wipe the network out and start again. So we see like uh, other vendors say, yeah, we can do your intent-based networking, but you have to buy our SD-WAN or you have to buy our data center switches and you have to deploy them this way and you have to run this code and you have to use these protocols and you don't get any choices about that. You just have to suck it up and take the intent-based models that they've got because that's the only way to make the configurations stable and reliable. Is that... Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, it's about having that reference model. It's about them knowing being able to predict exactly what they're deploying because they uh, apply that that set model that you have to follow. Mm. That's not what we do. We you've you've already heard the stories about about how we're um, multi-vendor, we're multi-domain. We'll, will you put us into any network and we will go and we will um, give you the visibility that you've not got so far. Can you help me visualize the visibility? You know, that is, a few minutes ago, we were talking about API. So is there someone sure. out there might be thinking, wait a minute, they got this great <laughs> database and I got to suck all the information out via an API. I don't want to do that. There's, I'm sure there's a sure. presentation layer you guys have. Yeah, of course. We, there's, 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 the, the whole platform is, is obviously this, this database at the back end and an API layer on top of that. We also provide a web UI that sits on top of that API. And that web UI has all of the visualization that we talked about, all of the, the topology views, all of the, the end-to-end path mapping, um, but also table views of all of, the, uh, all of the data that's in the system. And this um, intent verification rule builder uh, capability. So we're able to, to uh, almost drag and drop fields into this intent rule builder that then gives you the ability to to determine right is this is this thing the way behaving the way I expect it to or not? Mm. So so there's a yeah there's a f- two uh, two ways of accessing the information and typically as Pavel mentioned before, this is about we 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 bring the uh, the system up, we do the quick discovery and we provide immediate value because people can interactively get that data out and and view it and handle it straight away. Then. As we um, as we embed that into into existing processes within a customer, we're able to give them new capabilities through using the APIs and integration into into the rest of their tooling. You can develop new processes to make the most of the data that's in the platform. So my idea here, in my mind, is spinning. I could imagine a ServiceNow script which goes down, and at the end of the day, the help desk you know the help desk makes a change. Somebody makes an automated change somewhere. And then help desk goes and clicks a button in ServiceNow, which then goes and checks the verification status in IP Fabric. That's, yep, that's, that's exactly the sorts of things that we say. I mean, we've got, we have a community of partners and customers who are working on exactly those kinds of integrations, right? So, so these are, these are folks who are using our API to integrate the data into other platforms. So just as you've described there, Greg, the ability to get data into ServiceNow, that might be for 
updating the inventory. It might be for creating incidents. So we have a, um, a webhook capability out of the platform that can, can notify when things, uh, events are occurring within IP Fabric. So you can then come back and pull that data through and drop them into other systems. You might use it to update your monitoring platform, for, for example, um, when it discovers new devices in the network. Those sorts, of, those sorts of capabilities are all being built by our partners, by our customers, with our help using our APIs. So the key uh, message here is that IP Fabric can be used as a foundation for network automation initiatives. I know uh, yeah. a lot of folks are thinking about network automation. They want to deploy network automation. They either are at a certain point uh, and they want to progress further. They've tried and, and saw how hard it is to constantly parse new, uh, uh, new and new types of uh, uh, devices. Uh, they need to maintain this code. They need to spend. They realize that developing is just another job and uh, it is uh, yeah. not, not pleasant. In There's uh, a lot more. For, I think the idea of configuring Ansible scripts for this version of code on that brand of firewall and this version of code on that routing switch, you know, whatever, endlessly just doesn't inspire me. It just feels like <laughs> scut work. You know what I mean? Well, like. The, the the joy of looking at a new API spec is, is no longer joyful. It's like, oh, geez, what do these guys do? Let's figure it out. Here we go. And it's also the uncertainty. It's like, uh, if we upgrade the code, will my thing, you know, there's a whole bunch of pain there that I don't mm. really want to go through. If I can avoid it, I'd much rather. And, and I was talking before about how some intent-based companies that do the configuration force you down a particular path. That's not a criticism, by the way. Mm. That is a perfectly reasonable technology way to solve that technology challenge because configuring the network is way hard. Um, and so the only way that you can prevent issues or problems, unexpected problems, is to say this is the hardware and this yeah. is the architecture that you'll use. I think, I think I this is much more realistic. Like IP Fabric is much more works in the real world as both a configuration tool, I can test my configurations or see my configurations, source of truth, but I can also use it to validate. So this is this, I can assure myself that the state of the network is what I want, but I can also verify things about the network. I mean, I was just yeah. going to say that uh, you talk about the um, the, the tools that, that build networks to pre-prescribed um, designs and configurations. Of course, that's just typically a single network domain. You know, you're going to have a wider network than just that vendor's uh, solution in your network. You have other elements. And so, again, we have that wider view. We're able to bring in um, and understand how that interacts with the rest of the network. But, and what impact the configuration has on the end result. So you, you raised the case with, or uh, you made an example with an Ansible. You push configuration with Ansible. Ansible says that it's uh, perfectly deployed across all of your infrastructure. And then IP Fabric tells you that, well, on 30% of devices, this final result of your AAA config actually does not properly represent uh, your primary authentication method. And you then go back and see, oh, on, on this version of code, on this product family, the command structure has actually changed. And I should have been pushing different, uh, uh, different command to specifically these devices. And because we are looking at the final end, end result, what we want to achieve, we want to, uh, our network to run in a specific way. And that's uh, what 
um, this intent-based networking technology allows you to do. All right, guys, we are prepping for the show. One of the things that we went back and forth on were customer stories because you guys got a million of them. And there are some really yeah, interesting yeah. war stories. I don't know why we say war stories. Like, we're going to battle. It's, it's <laughs> war. But, uh, but, but yeah, well, you do have some really interesting uh, war stories. And Darren, there was one here that it's kind of a corner case about uh, about multicast, but was really mm. fascinating. Tell me that story. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh... It's actually uh, as much as anything. It's about the um, about our incredible development team. Actually, this story, but but uh, essentially, what we had was a situation where we were um, talking to a, a broadcaster uh, about being able to visualize multicast traffic through their network. We had a capability of of extracting information about multicast through the network, and that was fantastic. We can do end to end path through through our uh, our platform also. Um, but what I wanted to be able to do was understand where sources and destinations were on the multicast trees through their network. They use multicast for streaming um, video and, and that sort of stuff through their, uh, through their environment. They came to us and said, well, look, if you can bring, bring this feature to us, then, then it's, you know, it'll go a long way to us to actually uh, buying, uh, buying the product. We raised that with our dev team. And within... Within the next release cycle, we had this capability of being able to visualize um, those those multicast trees. So we can show um, we could show the customer where their um, where their video sources were, where the uh, receivers were, and and through a multi uh, vendor network. So it, it was a, a really a really big win for us because obviously it showed how responsive our development team were, how they could. Uh, bring in new vendors and new technologies into the platform. So, is, is the coder that wrote that bit of code uh, still still <laughs> with you, or did he did he peace out oh, after getting that done? <laughs> no, no, he's he's still with us, and that and that. And let me tell you, that team is growing very fast around him at the moment because he's he's uh, not talking. Uh, they they might be in therapy, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to do that, but uh, yeah, Pavel, astonishing piece of work. And and generally, multicast is notoriously hard technology to yeah. to operate, and uh, being able to not only see all of the multicast routes, all of the rendezvous point mappings, but also all of the active source group pairs and associated uh, uh, control plane data, such as the reverse path forwarding errors in one visual representation. So you're actually validating the multicast trees to make sure that the RPFs actually matched up with the configuration. Yeah. That is correct. So we do yeah. have uh, uh, our internal uh, graph database uh, has a reverse path forwarding capability. It also has uh, uh, Dijkstra, Bellman, Ford, uh, all of this goodness <laughs> as well. Uh, and you in, ask, in the case of reverse yeah. path forwarding, we can just look at the counters of reverse path forwarding errors for the SG groups. Fantastic. That's awesome. It is awesome. So, Pavel, have you got a, a war story or, or a, you know, a story from the front, if you like? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there are many of them. So uh, the one I like is about network access control and A22.1x, where a customer uh, ordered uh, an implementation from a, a, a system integrator to implement network access control on uh, about 400 or so ports in their network. System integrator deployed uh, A22.1x and said, yep, it's done. CI is running and everything is good. Customer asked, well, can you provide me a proof that you have actually completed everything as per project specs? We need documentation for that. System integrator actually quoted them 
more for documentation than for the implementation project. So they were looking for other solutions. And this is when they found IP Fabric. And the interesting thing is that not only in, uh, in, in minutes, we were able to show them that instead of 400 ports, the uh, uh, network access control was deployed only on 300, but also because the network model allows you to see what is the edge of the port or edge of the network to, 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 to define that these are all of the edge ports where mm-hmm. I want to have my network access control. And we took that as a base for the verification. And we found out that there were, there were over 800 uh, uh, access ports that they needed so the to reseller said, in the first place. So the reseller was told implement 802.1x on the whole network. And they found, and they, they quoted for 400, but only delivered 300, but there was really 800. 800. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I mean, he probably weren't being dishonest. It just, they didn't know what they didn't, didn't know. They, this yeah. is where this single source of truth and stuff comes in. And this um, is not about honesty uh, at all. This is about uh, having yeah. this, uh, this source of information. Uh, how do you know about what you don't know? This reminds me of a story when uh, uh, CXO uh, called me uh, in, into his office and told me, you need to tell me what is the difference between your solution and the monitoring solutions. Because mm-hmm. I have like 50 of such tools and we just keep buying tools and I don't know how are you different. And I said, well, if you are monitoring your environment, monitoring is done through uh, SNMP protocol usually. So what we can look at is what are all of the devices that where you don't have a SNMP configured, where you don't have any uh, SNMP uh, string or where you don't have any SNMP user, which are essentially not properly configured for SNMP, so they're invisible for, to, your, to your tools. And we were able to find uh, over 50 of such devices uh, in some of them at critical points of their infrastructure, which was sufficient for him to uh, yeah. for that time. That was that let you let you move to the next stage of the discussion, which was probably a different one. And somebody probably got in trouble because SNMP was there are management tools out there that only find things that are SNMP management or are pingable. And there might be devices that are neither. That's correct. And it's uh, because you can have an access list, which mm-hmm. when you do, uh, let's say, a case of I want to disable Telnet in my network, but there are you do a scan for port 23. And then there are some access lists that prevent uh, you seeing this uh, port 23 open from certain locations. But how do you know that is closed from all of the locations? Well, mm. one of the ways would be to check all of the terminal lines that they have explicitly Telnet disabled on them. Yeah. By having this in-depth information that, uh, yes, we do have overview of all of the terminal lines. And yes, we can tell you that it is disabled on all of them and not, let's say, enabled on uh, one of the lines only. Gentlemen from IP Fabric, this has been a great conversation. I love tools like this because uh, I've always loved visibility tools and observability tools and these kind of things. But the days of red light, green light, SNMP, monitoring, custom MIBs, where you found the special OID that does the thing and you're so happy and proud of yourself, that's all so far in the past compared to what we can do now. And you guys have a product that is really state of the art. Uh, so let's say I'm a network engineer. I've listened to this podcast. I want to try this thing out. I want to know more. How do I, how do I do that? 
Exactly, Ethan. And seeing is believing with our, with our product as ex-CCIE uh, instructors, network practitioners, we knew that we want to deliver value without you having to spend uh, days or weeks uh, playing with the product. Uh, it's very easy to get started. Uh, just visit ipfabric.io slash trial to request a trial in, in your network to see what it does in your real life scenario. As uh, we mentioned, it requires only a read-only set of credentials. We do not require uh, a seed list or a list of your existing network devices. You just discover that the solution will provide you the network source of truth and uh, in your existing network. Got it. Non-destructive being key. Read-only credentials, ipfabric.io. It is essentially uh, risk-free to try out something like this, which, um, yeah, but going to have to do that. Going to have to spend some time and do that. And so hopefully you too will do that uh, for our sponsor here, IP Fabric. If you're interested, go download that and give it a shot. And uh, this has been a technical conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. We talk like this every week on the Packet Pushers Heavy Networking Podcast. And we have lots more podcasts in our podcast network. Find free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That is all at packetpushers.net. Hit the subscribe page and you can see every show that is currently in our lineup and other resources that we provide for you. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. We're on LinkedIn because, you know, that's the social network you're probably allowed to get to. And uh, and so on. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.